0: As we begin our message, take your Bible and turn to a chapter we've been in for a number of weeks now. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. A message today entitled, unusual title, What the World Expects. Hmm. We've talked about what God expects. We've talked about what the church expects. We may talk about what the preacher expects. You may talk about what other people expect. What about what the world expects? And I think we'll be surprised today of these Realistic expectations that the world has for us. If you have found John chapter 1 and can stand, we'll read verses 19 through 29. I'll ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed... I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. And they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ nor Elijah nor a prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, and even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'll take this portion of your word today, and I pray that you will open our eyes to the truth contained therein, and I pray that we will meet your expectations of what it is that we are to be and to do and And that we can respond to what the world needs so desperately from us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, perhaps instead of what the world expects, perhaps we should have said what the world needs. But I tell you that the world expects us today. You know, one of the killers in our society today is this thing called unrealistic expectations. It kills relationships, it kills homes, it kills churches, it kills cultures, it kills societies. And and let me just mention a couple of them so you kind of get the idea of this unrealistic expectation. A man and woman get married. She has expectations of him and he has expectations of her. Are you all with me? Have I lost anybody yet? Here's the deal. Generally, the woman marries her husband expecting him to respond to her. Like all the men in her family responded to her, those who were in her world. He marries her, expecting her to respond like all the women in his life, his family, did while he was growing up. Now, do you see the problem already? She didn't grow up in his house, and he didn't grow up in her house. So the problem ensues. Unrealistic. In a church. We have many unrealistic expectations. First of all, we have the unrealistic expectation that the church is not ever going to have any problems. In fact, you go look for a new church, you join a new church, you want one that don't have any problems. Well, don't. if you find the perfect church that don't have any problems, don't join it because you will mess it up. Because churches are full of people and people have problems. But, you know, inside the church we have unrealistic expectations of deacons, of pastors, of members. We, these, we want everybody to be perfect and it's just not so. Now I want you to contrast these unrealistic expectations to some realistic expectations. All expectations are not unreal. And I'm just going to say this to us at this point. Jesus has some expectations of all of his children that are very realistic. And a lot of times the expectations that Jesus has of his children are the very expectations that the world has on his children. Having said that, before we get into this message, if this message is going to mean anything to you today, you need to have settled this issue about who Jesus is in your life? Have you made him your personal savior? Has he come into your life and transformed your life? You see, the truth is, the Bible tells us this. The reason we need transformation is because the Bible tells us that we're dead in our trespasses and sin. and you look at the Ten Commandments and you know we break them every day, so you know that we live in sin. We're dead in trespasses and sin. And Jesus came to forgive us of those sins and to transform our lives so that now we can take on the characteristics of Christ, so that we can be reconnected to God. Jesus comes in to transform us and make us more like him. And we look around and we go, well, you know, I'm just like I am because I was born that way. Hello? You're right, you were born that way. But Jesus said when we're born, we're all born that way, but we have to be born again a different way and become like him. So you never invite Now, we're not talking about this born again. is. It, you, need to, you need to hear this. This change in life, it's not about how many times you've attended church or Sunday school. It's not how many small groups you've gone to. It's not how many solos you've sang, how many choirs uh, you've been a part of. It's not about any of that. It is about Jesus coming into your life, becoming your companion, becoming your guide, becoming your stay, becoming your savior, becoming your all in all. And when Jesus comes into your life, things are different. Can you imagine a God coming into your life and leaving you just like you are? Jesus doesn't do that. If you in Christ, he's a new creature. If you've never invited Christ into your life, if Christ has never walked with you every step you take, why not make that decision right now at about 10.30 on Saturday, on Sunday morning, August the 2nd, why not I just bow your head right there and just say, Lord Jesus, he's talking about me. I've been in church all my life, but I, have, I don't know that I've ever begun a real relationship with you where you walk with me, where I carry you to my school and my work and my church and my office and my grocery stores. And why don't you just say, Lord Jesus, I need forgiveness of my sin, and I believe you can forgive them. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Cleanse my unrighteousness. Change me. Give me that new birth. Why don't you do that right now? Because you see, if we're a part of his family, the world expects some things from us. The world does. I'm going to offer you three things through a simple message that you've ever heard in your life, we can take them right from the life of John the Baptist. The first expectation that the world has on us is a testimony. A testimony. Now, the truth is, the world, are you listening? The world expects us to be able to give a reason for the hope that is in us. That's all. That should have been in the Bible somewhere. Not only does our Lord, not only do the prophets, not only did Paul say to be ready to give a hope, reason for the hope in us, the world wants us to have uh, uh, an answer for them. Look, look back, if you will, if you've got your Bibles open, verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. Now, may I say this to you, and I'm not being flippant today. It should be no surprise to us. That John had a testimony. It should be no, it should have been the expectation of us. But not only us, the world expected John to be able to give a testimony for why he was preaching, why he was baptizing, why he was standing so strong in the faith. He had that testimony. Now you and I know what a testimony is, and we know what a testimony is not. Please listen in case you're afraid to give your testimony because you don't know 32 verses of the Bible. A testimony is not reciting 32 verses of the Bible. A testimony is not you giving your deep theological um, um, beliefs that would rock the world of Charles Spurgeon. A testimony is not even repeating 32 verses of the Bible as a way to show people how to find God. A testimony is not you conveying your theology. It is not you conveying your philosophy. It is not even you conveying something you feel. It's not really about family or friends or church members or anyone else. A testimony is something about you that you can tell. If you get into a court of law... You can't tell anything somebody else told you. You can't tell anything else, some, anything that somebody else seen. You can only tell what you have experienced firsthand. A testimony is a first-person account. Now, you get to the Scripture in verse 19. At the end of verse 19, the um, priest and the Levites, and we later find out they came from the Pharisees, said, Who are you? John, you're out here doing all this work. Who are you? You know what the question comes down for us today? Who are you? If somebody asked you, who are you, how would you answer? Would it have anything to do with your faith? Would it have anything to do with the Lord? Would it it have anything to do with, with your salvation experience? If somebody asked you, who are you? What in the world would you say? You see, here, the, the, the priest, the Levite, the Pharisees wanted to know who John was because of how he was living, because of his lifestyle, because of his message, because of his, the power that he did it in. It was his lifestyle. It was his witness. He, he was doing some things. He was living away. And, and it was against that backdrop that they came and they said, who are you they wanted a testimony from John. Testimony time. That's what it was for John. What happens to you when it becomes tea time for you? When it becomes testimony time for you. What do you say? What nouns or adverbs or adjectives do you use? Are you just lock up and say nothing? It might serve us well to look here and see what he says in verse 20. Look what John did. He, he confessed and did not deny. You see, the truth is we're supposed to be confessional people as Baptists. As followers of Christ, we're supposed to be able to confess Jesus. This means that without shame, we're to tell people whose we are and who we are. It should happen Naturally. If you search the Scriptures, you know what you discover? With the heart you believe, but with the mouth you confess. That testimony. And oh, by the way, I just can't do that. Oh, by the way, Jesus said, Whoever confesses me before men confesses me before the Father. John writes in 1 John, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Mm. testimony is confession. It says he confessed. He didn't deny. Deny. Testimony, your testimony, John's testimony, my testimony, is about what Jesus has done in you, for you, and through you. It's not about anyone or anybody else. One of the reasons that I believe that we've lost it Testimony as a part of worship. Do you remember the day when people would give testimonies all the time in worship? One of the reasons that I believe that we've lost that testimony in worship is because people have either lost their ability or their desire to speak a good, brief, pointed, meaningful word about what Jesus means to them. You saw me grab a microphone. If I were to come put a microphone in front of your face, could you tell me about 30 or 40 seconds what Jesus has done for you? What Jesus continues to do for you. And you know, every one of you expect a pastor to give a testimony at the drop of a hat. That's a, not an unrealistic expectation. Everyone, probably most people expect the deacons to be able to give. A testimony at the drop of a hat. Probably not an unrealistic expectation. But listen. Our Lord and the world expects that from every person who claims to follow Christ to be able at a moment's notice. Not to quote 32 verses. Not to give a deep theological treatise. Not to to talk about theology and, and philosophy. But... To just give, just give a word a testimony. Who can do that today? Who can do that today? 30 seconds? 30 seconds. 30 seconds. I can't tell all what the Lord's done for me in 30 seconds. It would take about two days. But he just keeps on blessing me and blessing me and blessing me. And I praise his wonderful name. And for those who don't know, a walking miracle right there.
1: God is so good. He has blessed me in so many ways that I can't tell them all. 2014 and in the beginning of 2015 was uh, very traumatic for me and my family. But I look around here this morning and I see people who have overcome cancer. People have... uh, other ills and ailments, even our pastors sometimes is puny, but I thank God that he is still on the throne and he still saves and he still keeps.
0: Amen thank you. Ben what's the Lord done for you?
1: Jesus saved me when I was twenty five years old. He not only saved me from My life saved my life from the life I was living, but he saved my soul. And since them days, he has just blessed me. I have not wanted for nothing I needed, and he's given me more than I I deserve. But uh, I I just want to praise his name this morning. He's been so good.
0: Jesus, we crown you with praise because of what you have done for Me, James Price, you're sitting on the front row over there. I'm just not going to let you off sitting on the front row over there. Would you? uh... Now, not a sermon, James.
1: Sometimes it's hard not to want to praise the Lord continuously, and we should 24-7. I want to ask you a question before I give you my testimony, because in the middle of the 1960s is when Christ... I ask Him to be the Lord of my life. How many of us prayed this morning that God would be in your life today so real that the ones next to you can feel His presence? If you did that, then He's going to be in your midst. He's going to be in your life. Again, in 1965, when I realized that there was something missing in my life, And all of us have went through this. And that missing in our life is Christ. Without Christ, you will not have perfect contentment or peace. And once you ask Him to be the Lord of your life, and you commit that to Him and pray without ceasing. Trust me, you keep your eyes and your heart focused upon Him. He will lead your path. And like the song says, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. Realizing when the Lord saved me, I cannot thank Him enough. I cannot praise Him enough. Nor can I ever, from the words I have, thank Him for what He has blessed me with day in and day out from the time that I asked Him to be the Lord of my life and I knew He came in. Let me put something on you right now, preacher. I didn't mean to get into this, but this is important. There's a difference between knowing Christ and I think I'm saved. It's in here, and it'll stay in here if you know Christ is your personal Savior and trust Him. I very seldom ever do anything without first invoking the aid of whatever He wants me to do and how He wants me to do it. So this morning I want to say this this is the messenger. that's the message. yes, and you're going to hear it. Let it sink in. think about what Christ did for you on the cross. as we think about that and let it enter into us, we can give him praise. we can honor him, we can worship him every day of our life if you if you eyes if you keep focused and he's in your heart. I love each one of you. I want you to know Christ as your personal savior. I want you to know him like I know him. I call on him. I depend on him. I am nothing without him.
0: Amen. Thank you. <laughs> you know, seriously, if we don't offer the testimony that the church so that the world so desperately needs, they're never going to hear. If we don't have it in ourselves so that we can give it, One of the expectations they have of us. Give a reason for the hope that's in us. Give us the testimony. Tell us why you live like you live. And if we don't know him enough to have a testimony about how we met him and what he's done in our lives, chances are we don't. Please listen. Brother Jerry, I just don't remember when I met him. Well, let me me just... I really am going to be unkind. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you don't remember, chances are it hadn't happened. Because let me tell you this... Did you get married and you don't remember when you got married? Now man, I'm not talking about forgetting your anniversary. Did you forget the event? No. How many times has, if your thing is racing, how many times have you been uh, either watching on TV or been at the racetrack and your favorite race car driver won the race and you forgot that? Or you're a football fan and your favorite team won the national championship and you forgot that? Or you're a golfing fan and the, your favorite golfer won and you forgot that? No, we don't forget what we experience. The world expects us, and rightly so, to have a testimony. I was like this. I was dead in my sin. One day, Jesus came into my life, and ever since then, my life has been different. And the reason I am the way I am today is because of what Jesus did for me. That's the testimony. That's what the world expects. That's what your church member, your fellow church member, your fellow Christian should expect, your fellow Christ follower should expect. But most of all, that's what God expects—a testimony. There's a second thing here, and I took way too long on that. It's a test, a test. What are you talking about, Brother Jerry? Well, you know, when I was in college, I studied acting and uh, um, and did some stage acting. So when I read a when I read a text, I read it like a script. And when I read this in that vein, I pick up at verse 20, and it says. Um, they say in the end of the 19th, who are you? And he goes, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked, what then? Are you Elijah? I am not. Are you a prophet? No. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those folks that sent us over here to find out who you are. I mean, can you sense... The frustration that they were having, because every time they asked him, he didn't give them the answer they wanted. Here's what I want to say to you. Today, John didn't get rattled. Today, many people, when we get pushed and pushed... We find ourselves lacking in confidence. We find ourselves uh, lacking in patience. We even find ourselves questioning our faith because the test that comes our way. John passed this test because I don't believe that he ever got impatient. I just think he said, I am not. No. And then he says, here's what I am. I am the messenger. I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And it was a message that the prophet Isaiah had given. Why did he have to give this testimony? Please listen. Here's, here's, here's where the water meets the wheel. It was because of the life he was living. It was because of the message he was giving. It was because of the actions he was, ta- he was taking. That they wanted to know, how in the world are you doing this? Who do you think you are? I want to say this, and I believe we can back this up in Scripture and the Gospels. But when somebody begins to question you about your testimony, first of all, you need to make sure you're authentic. But the second thing that I'll say to you is that your test, I have found this in my life. The real test I get today doesn't come from those outside the church. The real test and the questions today come from inside the church. Don't you think you're being too narrow-minded? Well, what does the Bible say? Well, I know what the Bible says, but this is what I believe. Well, then we don't have anything to talk about because it's not, here's what the Bible says, but this is what I believe. The Bible says it. We should just believe it. How many of you remember that old little song we used to sing, the B-I-B-L-E? That's book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Why can't we just get back to something simple like that? Because then we will pass the test. You say, Brother Jerry, why do you say that the test is going to come from inside the church? Well, it did for John because verse 24 says they were sent from the
1: church people,
0: the Pharisees. The people who believed in the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. The people who thought they were too righteous to trust Christ. They were the religious people, and generally the religious people are all about this test because their religion is about them and their preferences and their desires and not about When we become about him, our whole life is changed. When you offer your testimony, make sure it's authentic. Because I believe deep down in my soul that if you're brave enough and sharp enough and willing and give a testimony about what Jesus has done for you, it may well be tested. Speak your testimony. Be ready to be be tested. But be calm and confident in the test. Because here's the truth. It doesn't matter whether it's a family member, a friend, a church member, a Sunday school classmate. It doesn't matter. It could be a neighbor. But whoever it is, please listen. When you get to that test, just know that Jesus has already been there. He's already been tested. And he'll see you through the struggle. Expect a test because uh, the world wants to make you authentic. This is not in my notes, but it occurs to me. And I know some of you will take high issue with this. That's fine. This is an observation. I'm stepping over here. It's not really preaching. It's just my observation. One of the things that's going on with the new generation today is they don't buy into anything that they don't deeply believe in. They don't, they're not going to just spend time going to meetings and attending services if it has no really power to change their lives. You read some of the lyrics of these new songs, <laughs> no offense, guys. Some of the new music I really it leaves me cold, but you read those lyrics, and it is a very personal relationship. what they 're looking for is for God to come down and do something. It is their testimony of faith, and it has stood the test for many of them. The test the world wants expects us to have a testimony. The world expects to be able to give us a test, and we pass it, because the world ultimately expects from us a truth. Number three, a truth. Hmm. As you read this text, and the conversation kind of lights up, Jesus calms them down somewhat by responding to that repeated question of who are you look at here it says in verse end of verse uh, 20 I mean verse 19 it says who are you if that's not bad enough at the end of uh, uh, in the middle of verse uh, 22 it says who are you and then it says in verse 25 why are you the conversation was getting pretty heated and when you read this you realize that often when you respond to people when you give people they don't hear what you're saying because they're really not listening. They really want you to say what they want to hear. And what we need to be speaking always is the truth of the Lord. We find the truth of the Lord several places here. Verses 23 I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet said. Well I'm going to just say this to you. John was looking forward to Jesus. That's true. Jesus was alive and they were cousins uh, biologically. But he was looking forward to Jesus beginning his ministry. We're looking back. And we're still the one that's declaring the word of the Lord and, and making straight the path. And then verse 26, I mean, you know, 26, he says, I baptize you with water, but one stands among you who you do not know. Does that sound like the person that we're representing today? We baptize with water. We share the word. But the one who is among us is one that people do not know. Today we have this truth that we can look back in history and know that Jesus did live. He came. He lived. He died. He resurrected. He ascended to heaven. And now he's back at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us, and He offers forgiveness of sin. He offers a new life, both abundant life on earth, eternal life in heaven. He is what we need for every ailment that we face today. That's the eternal truth that the world needs to hear. And you know what the truth is? If you're a parent, you know what I'm about to tell you. Sometimes people have a deep need and they don't even really know what it is. Hello? Sometimes people, kids, they think they want chocolate cake, but what they really need is food. Not all the time do they need food. We got an 11-month-old grandbaby. Excuse me, 13-month-old grandbaby. He thinks food is the hobby. He has two hands, and they're not hands, they're shovels. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We don't always know what we need know best what we need but here's what i'll tell you what the lord has told us the truth that people need is jesus the only story worth telling the only story worth sharing the only wor- story worth embracing the only story worth hearing is the story of jesus jesus is the story what jesus that testimony the truth of jesus in your life is a is the answer to every struggle in life. I want to say that again. Jesus is the answer to every struggle in life. You need a friend. Jesus is a friend of sinners. You need help with your sin and your struggle. Jesus understands your struggle because like Squire Parsons wrote, he's been there too. And with your sin, he died for your sin You need peace in your heart? Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. Not peace like the world gives. You need love? God is love, but Jesus said, watch this. This is so powerful. Greater love hath no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Did you realize that less than 24 hours later, Jesus opened his arms this wide, and he said, I love you this much, and he bowed his head and died? What a truth. John didn't stop there. I'll just mention this parenthetically, and yet it's the greatest point of this message. John undertook all that test to give a truth. To give a truth that Jesus was the answer. And if you don't think that was enough, one day he was answering those questions. He said, I baptize you with water and one's coming after me. You don't he's some bungy. You don't even know him. But he's coming. He's coming. And I don't even, I'm not even worthy to untie a strap. And, and I'm just preparing the way for him to get here. And the next day, verse 29, a long Jesus. And he said, Behold. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That is our testimony. That is our truth. That will stand the test of time. The world's expectations may not motivate you, but this is what they expect from us. They expect us, if we're going to say that we're followers of Christ, they expect us to offer the words to back up. They're going, to offer us, they're going to ask for us to have the light that backs up our words and the story that we tell of what Jesus has done for us. So here's the question. Has Jesus really done anything in your life? I have a great fear. I spent my entire life in what we call the Bible Belt. My entire life. The danger in the Bible Belt is that our Christianity becomes so cultural that it becomes casual, that it has no commitment. Hmm. When I think on that sidebar of what the world expects of you and me, I am humbled, I am challenged, I am sobered by the real question. It's what does God expect of me? He expects me to have a testimony. And not only does he expect me to have it, he expects me to give it. He expects me to stand the test because he'll walk through the test with me. He expects me to offer this world the truth This is what I can't get over. We have the truth that nobody else has. And if we don't tell the truth, we don't share the truth. If we don't give the truth, the world won't know the truth. And this disintegration of the land that we love And this disintegration with the church will continue. What will you do with what you've heard? Do you have that neighbor that you know needs the Lord? Maybe they even profess to knowing the Lord, but they don't have a church family. Well, maybe somebody sits on the desk over, works in the room over, and you know they either need the Lord or they need a church family. Have you invited them? Have you spoke a word of help? Maybe it's the person who waits on you. Personally, I started frequenting the um, Waffle House here in town, beginning to get to know a few of those servers. And uh, uh, do just like I did before. As the time is right, share the church and share Christ with them. Because if we don't,
1: nobody will.
0: Do you know Christ? Do you have a testimony? If not, why not make it right today? Let's pray together.